episode of Setting the Tone in ER Retrospective, the show where we do a chronological breakdown of every episode of our favorite TV medical drama. My name is Elizabeth, and with me today, as always, are Lauren. Salutations. And Daniel. Hey. Today we'll be discussing Season 10, Episode 5, which is titled Out of Africa. Is that the sequel to Coming to America? No. Yes. Absolutely not. Keep going. The episode aired on October 30th, 2003. Lauren was going that week 20 years ago. A little game called Call of Duty, a World War II-themed first-person shooter, releases for the PC. Subsequent sequels and spin-offs have generated billions of dollars in revenue, making it one of the most popular game franchises in history. Uh, were either of you into Call of Duty? Uh, I was into it on the Xbox in the Xbox 360 era, like yep. with two, three modern, the first yep. Modern Warfare. Yep. I think once it went to like Black Ops is when I fell off it. I think See, Modern <laughs> Warfare was when I played because that was like when we'd all get together and play Halo at my friend's house. We'd play Call of Duty too. I've always been terrible at it. I've never been good at Halo, Call of Duty, any shooter multiplayer. I suck at. Black Ops was the only one that I ever even played for a, at all, and that was just because it came with the PS3 that I bought. So, didn't enjoy it. Not my kind of game. Fair. The musical Wicked makes the move to Broadway, where its run at the Gershwin Theater is still ongoing. The only interruption to that run was during the beginning of the COVID-19 pandemic, where shows were canceled from March 2020 all the way until September 2021. That does not seem long enough. I mean, yeah, that's after vaccinations started yeah. cycling and everything. Yeah, it's a year and a like, half. There was nine months after we started vaccinating. Mm-hmm. Does not seem long enough. And it feels like it was I mean, so much longer than that. I don't know how. I don't know how uh, Broadway handled it. I mean, probably similar to how we did. But like, I work in a theater, stage theater, and like we, our first season back was like, in at that time, September twenty twenty one, and it was a weird like in between season where like we were, you know weren't filling every single seat and we were like requiring vaccine cards and masks and like the whole yeah. nine yards so like yes it was a return but like it wasn't yeah. like back to normal you're right packed houses and everything fair point thank you for that reminder um and in baseball news the florida marlins defeated the new york yankees four games to two in the two to win the 2003 world series Woo-woo. In absolute shitpost news, Scary Movie 3, the horror genre satire threequel, st- wow, that was words, Lizzie, uh, starring Anna Faris, Charlie Sheen, Pamela Anderson, and Leslie Nielsen, debuts and takes the box office crown. Never liked any of these. No. That's that's fair. They were a bit, little bit sophomoric even when I was, you know, 11. Um, and Baby Boy by Beyonce featuring Sean Paul is still your number one song. Daniel, what else was on? Uh, At 8 p.m., friends, with the episode The One Where Rachel's Sister Babysits. That's a mouthful. Uh, At 8.30, uh, Will and Grace with the episode A Story, B Story. Uh, And at 9, what I have to assume was an hour-long episode because there was nothing in the 9.30 slot, uh, Scrubs with the episode My Lucky Night. Uh, This week's episode had 19.9 million viewers tuning in, directed by Jonathan Kaplan, doing his 31st out of 40 as a director. Uh, Last time we saw him was the season premiere. Now what? And written by David Zabel, uh, doing his ninth out of 44. And last time we saw him was last season's Foreign Affairs. And, uh, of course, no Carter, no Chen this week. Uh, And on a technical note, spoilers for later in the episode, Bob Newhart was nominated for a Best Guest Star Emmy for this episode. Damn straight. 
Uh, we get our previously on is brought to us by Neela, which is exciting. I think this is her first time doing that. I think so, so. yay. Uh, we have a full L train with some douchebag playing music on a boombox without headphones, and a girl playing a yellow Game Boy Color, which might have just been the Pikachu edition. I don't know if they did yellow other than that. We're the only ones who might care. And we see Luca on the train, and he's just looking so bemused to be back in the hustle and bustle of Chicago. Like, it must seem so quaint to him after everything he's been through. And as he comes into the ER, we get a look at the new chairs area, and Frank tells him to call Weaver several times, and we learn, oh, it's it's a Halloween episode. They're like, it's tomorrow night is Halloween, so it's just before. Um, and then we get our probably main through-line patient of the episode. A mother is crying because her son fell out of the shopping cart and hit his head. Mom's name is Paula, and the son's name is... Andy? Henry. Or Adam? He- no, Henry's the older son. The oh, yeah. The, bo- the, the yeah, you're right. I think Adam is the. Um, I think Adam, yeah. Is the, the infant. Yeah. I get the names way down there, but like. Yeah, the, we, we kind of get the names as a drip uh, yeah. here. But uh, the mother is. Uh, we, we'll, we'll touch on the son a little bit later, but the, the mother for now, she is played by actress Allison Elliott, who appeared in stuff like The Wings of the Dove, Wyatt Earp, and The Spitfire Grill. And it's just an episode for introducing new character for introducing new characters that we that we know and love. Well, that some people love. Uh, but yeah, a woman shows up looking for the charge nurse, uh, who is still Abby, even though, as we find out, she's not really that much of a nurse anymore. We'll get there. Uh, but the woman in question is the source of is the source of the. the the woman in question is the reason why Daniel is going to be sent to whoring jail for the rest of the show. Sam! Hey! You hear that? That's the sound of my brain chemistry being altered forever. Uh, <laughs> as uh, as uh, one Samantha Tiberius Taggart is joining the cast here. Uh, played by uh, just the, mm, the, the, the picture of woman, uh, Linda Cardellini <laughs> here. Uh, she, although I will say, man, it's a real, real tough Sophie's choice between, uh, Maura Tierney and, uh, Linda Cardellini, let me tell you. Um, and so, uh, Linda Cardellini has, uh, appeared in a whole bunch of stuff. Like she was still at this time, like 2003, she was very much still kind of an indie darling where like she would, uh, her, the biggest thing that I think that she had appeared in up to this point was Freaks and Geeks, which, yep. which if you haven't seen Freaks and Geeks, you should it's incredibly imminently rewatchable even if it's not like your uh era like which it really isn't for us like it was more of our parents era mm-hmm. um but it, it's a show like it's one of the few shows that doesn't have a low point granted it, it kind of got cut short it was only two two seasons um but she was very much kind of the s- emotional soul and center of that show wait you're talking about um, freaks and geeks yeah. yeah it only got one season are you sure? I'm positive. Well, whatever. That's it, what it's, it's famous for. Is it only it's, getting? It's one of the things it's famous for. Maybe it's only maybe one I'm lumping. Season, but being maybe such a great season. Yeah. Maybe maybe one. I'm lumping uh, undeclared in with that too, which is maybe. their the the second spiritual successor to that show. Um, but in any event, like that was the thing that she was kind of best known for before doing this. Um, but she's also, of course, been in the uh, Scooby Doo movies. Uh, the live action ones that people a couple years younger than me have inexplicable affection for. Um, I'm over here like making hand gestures and smiling and grinning. I fucking love those movies. Like I said, I know people a few years younger than me are really big into those. I just remember those when they came out. And again, being like slightly too old for them and 
being like, these are a fucking disaster. <laughs> you know. So what I'm hearing you say is I'm going to speak into a microphone alone when I nominate this for a movie review. Uh, I mean, I'll watch. I've, I've honestly never sat and watched the whole thing, you know, beginning to end. Surprise, surprise. But, I mean, I don't need an excuse to watch Linda Cardellini and Velma yeah. cosplay for an hour that's, and a half. Like, that's... Ooh, that's... Like, I don't. I don't need an excuse. You just tell me Fair. when and I'm, I'll be there. Uh, but she has, she has also appeared in a bunch of other stuff as uh, one of these two, I'm assuming Lizzie, has so helpfully uh, added to the filmography here. I don't fucking... Like, I tried my best okay. to, like, get a, get a like, smattering of things here. She, she's been in something one of you fucking people has seen. Like, I promise I, you. I had to put Mad Men in. Yeah, she has been in uh, the the thing she's kind of most recently best known for is uh, the TV series Dead Like Me with Christina Applegate. Mm-hmm. Um, that is kind of the thing that is like her most recent. But she's been in a bunch of movies and stuff too. Like yeah. she's, I think she's ascended at this point to full blown A list movie star. Um, but uh, of course, yes, she did have a memorable guest run on uh, Mad Men, uh, and she is uh, Jeremy Renner's appendage in uh, the MCU movies. Um, I, I'm just gonna say this right here because when am I gonna get to talk about this? I I appreciated her acting in Mad Men, but God, I hated that storyline so much. Yup. Like, uh, yeah, I, I, didn't, I know it wasn't because of her. I mean, you're no, you're not supposed uh, to. Nobody. No, no but, that's the thing. That's always my my qualifier with Mad Men. It's like all of these people are terrible. No, like, no, I, it's I don't. I'm not saying I dislike her character. Even I'm saying I hate that storyline specifically. Well, right. Because like, they're I'm, all I'm terrible guess, people I'm, being terrible. Guest starring in Innocent right here. This next three minutes. That weird ass episode where he like leaves her in the hotel room. Mm-hmm. At that, I I hate it so much. Mm-hmm. I hate it so so much. Like. Ugh. Don Draper is a piece of shit. Okay, I'm sorry. Let's carry on. And I'm going to nominate Age of, uh, Avengers Age of Ultron for an, uh, for an ER movie. Woo! Ah, now, <laughs> Daniel has quit the podcast. That, I was going to say, now that I will be out of the country for uh, intentionally whenever whenever that comes up. Uh, but uh, she is making her first of 126 appearances through 2009. So she will be with us through the end of the show. Uh, for better or worse. Sorry, Jen. Uh, she's just, uh, Sam is a, uh, getting, now that we can stop talking about Linda Cardellini for a second, and actually talk about Sam, the character. Uh, Sam is, dare we say the most divisive character in the entire show? Like I can't think of, I can't think of a character who's more divide. And honestly, I don't even know if divisive is the right word because divisive implies that there's two sides to the argument. Like I, I don't know very many people who are like big on Sam. I know people who are indifferent to Sam, but I know a lot of people who dislike actively the character with a, a heated passion. I'm over here. She's fine. I'm, I'm interested. Like my memory of the character is that like, yeah, she could be a, a little, you know, Come on a little strong at times. The word braggadocious just popped into my head. Yeah. Why like, am I like this? I'm I'm fully aware that like there's probably going to be some things about the character that rub me the wrong way. But my memory of watching the first go around is not a bad one, you know. Yeah. And I feel like some of the the issues that I had with the character or some of the issues that some people had with the characters. I can, I, God, you can just feel the comments as I'm like saying this. But like, I feel like a lot of people's criticisms of her can be boiled down to how much they don't like her kid, which we will yeah. touch on that a little bit later in the episode. Uh, yeah. uh, but uh, yeah, no, I and and at least one thing that I've I know I've heard Jen say with regards to Sam, who that you will probably not find a bigger Sam hater in the world than our friend Jen. Uh, her entrance is at least a strong one. 
Like we're, mm-hmm. we at least get a, a solid first, you know, introduction to this character. So I'm, 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 I'm going to try to ride that wave for as long as I can because, and I'm going to try to stay as objective as possible while making like hard emoji eyes at, uh, Oh, I'm, I'm going to be ridiculous for you. It's fine. Yeah. So. I'm, I'm going to just, just to be a contrarian, I'm going to, I'm going to try and go to bat for Sam, just like I'm a Romano apologist. I'm going to try and be that voice of, Hey, maybe she's not so bad. Yeah. But even more so, than, I mean, even more so than Neela though, I do feel like, uh, she is our like, uh, shepherd of the end era of the show for me of like this is leading us into the last third of I the show. I can see that. Like even more so than Neela. I think she's good. I'll be happy <laughs> to be proven right or wrong. I'm Switzerland. I am neutral. <laughs> Sam and Gates. Sam and Gates. Yes, Let's that is go. one ship I will always go go to bat for. And everybody just stopped listening. <laughs> But anyway, uh, Patient is throwing dirty sharps all around and just kind of tra- trashing one of the exam rooms. Uh, Pratt, Coop, and Morris and security try to push in to give Hal it all, but Morris freezes up because of course he does. And Sam runs in and jabs it right into his uh, carotid, or- carotid artery. She just so. leaps on that man and just... Yeah, Ugh. and Romano just says, oh, please tell me you work here. Because <laughs> she's still in street clothes. Romano has such a hard on for Sam, too. Just I'm like, he's like, I, I'm so sorry. I mean, can you blame him? I'm so sorry that we're not going to get more than like a couple episodes of overlap between the two of them. They would have right. been such a good combo for just insanity. Right. Like, I'm just really mad that we're not going to get more of that. Uh, and then, so in this scene here, we, we see a security guard whose face immediately caught my eye. And apparently we've been seeing a lot of him. This is his fourth of five appearances as the same character. And apparently he's been with us in uh, one form or another since season four. Uh, he, he's going to make another I, I, I may have highlighted him before in the past and I just forgot but I don't know like he will appear again next season in season 11 uh, but he's this security guard here who's played by actor Christopher Michael who looking at his IMDB you've seen him in something and in that something he was playing a cop like he always plays cops or bailiffs or like prison guard or I like, feel like we did talk about him because this sounds familiar he is in so many things credited as cop uh, but he has appeared in stuff like Fool's Rush In, The Cable Guy, and New Jack City, and he has 157 credits to his name. So if I didn't say it before, I'm saying it now. Uh, and this brings us in with Bangs, where Linda Cardellini has already been added to the credits because of course she has. Why wouldn't you put that face in the credits? Uh, we then come out of the intro uh, to a woman at, uh, at uh, Triage asking how much longer it'll be before she gets seen. Uh, I, love the, I love her... Uh, Referring to Sam as little girl. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Sam asks Morris if uh, he can uh, quickly get this woman worked up. That becomes important later. Uh, and our our patient, well, she's not a patient yet, but the woman here, Athena, we learn her name is. Uh, she's played by actress Lynette Dupree, who appeared in stuff like Desperate Housewives, Zigzag, and the TV series Everybody Hates Chris. And she did unfortunately pass away just this year, 2023. So particularly sad considering what happens to her in this episode. Um, we then go back to the admit desk where Romano offers to give Susan a demonstration of his new hand and uh, makes a comment about Dr. Kurtz being back uh, referring to Luca which is uh, an excellent little Heart of Darkness reference 
uh, Heart of Darkness, I would much rather watch than Apocalypse Now, whenever given the, the choice. Like, <laughs> I find Apocalypse it's, Now to be self-indulgent and It's It's boring. on my bookshelf, and I'm it's on my, like, list of short books that I'm going to revisit from AP English, and I have never seen Apocalypse Now. I'll just say that right now. I have never. It's it's not a bad movie. It's and no, it's, and, and uh, that makes it sound like yeah. I'm trying to qualify. Like it's it's no. not a bad movie. It's a great movie, but it's one of those movies, sort of like Gone with the Wind, that like I feel like you have to just experience rather than like yeah. It's not a movie. Like you're just gonna go. Oh, I'm gonna go watch Apocalypse Now. Why? What's you wrong? Gotta <laughs> What's wrong with you? Hunker down for it like uh, 2001: A Space Odyssey. Yeah, like are you going through something? Why are you you know? But Heart of Darkness is much more interesting to watch. Of yeah. like watching. I haven't seen that. Watching either. watching a man lose his mind in real time is uh, fascinating. Yeah, uh, I haven't seen that. Only read the book. But uh, we then go into uh, trauma, uh, a little boy's trauma uh, with Neela yeah. and Luca. This is uh, Andy. Yes, the Adam, yes, the the infant from earlier. Right, right, right. Uh, And Lauren? Whose films are those? Finally finally gave you a good uh, good setup. Thank you. Uh, you. We see Weaver is on the phone for Luca, and Morris tells Neela that kids are too hard, and this is not a good teaching case for her. I mean, what does Morris know even, really? He he thinks he knows a little bit more, at least. Yeah. Uh, Romano's giving a demonstration to Frank and company about the new arm and gives Pratt shit about how a patient is being handled and he goes to demonstrate doing a like a an injectable medication draw and smat and the vial just shatters in his hand so which prompts susan to say i wouldn't use that for a rectal mm-hmm. susan and romano oh. have some some really great one-liners to each other this episode that are like blink and you miss it uh-huh but they were on fire today yeah, this is actually a really funny scene. Like, so much, again, I'm I'm continuously in awe of how much Paul McCrane is managing to cram into these last few episodes before, like, I think we've gotten so used to the soft pullout with, with a character of, like, they're, they're just, like, pulling <laughs> away from the... <laughs> they're, they're, they're pulling back from the character and, and making them less and less important until eventually they just kind of fade away. No, nope. They're really cramming a lot of stuff into these last few episodes with Romano. And, like, it's making me really bummed because, like, I know it's not going to last. And I'm just like, man, there was so much more meat left on this bone. And I can't believe they can't see it. Like, I can't believe that they're not looking at that and watching these dailies and going, wait a minute. Let's let's reverse course here. Let's let's change it up. It's not too late. Yeah. <sighs> but then we go uh, back into the trauma, and Adam is having trouble breathing. Morris is going to try and intubate. And <laughs> as this is going on, um, Luca's out in the hall and says, I'm sorry, Carrie. I tried to tell the kid that his seizing was inconvenient <laughs> for you. <laughs> Which I took an extra laugh at because that's always my biggest fear is that me having a seizure in public is going to inconvenience somebody. So I was like, wow, you tapped into my uh, subconscious there, Luca. Thanks. Uh, but he is called back into the room and the little boy stabilizes without intubation. And then Luca corrects Morris on what he did wrong with how he handled that. So cool. Teaching moment. Yay. Um, I love how your biggest fears inconveniencing someone yeah. oh because no, i mean it's, it's mine too but i mean hey childhood trauma is a hell of a drug yeah but uh then the mom paula is telling susan what happened she says oh i should have strapped him into the cart better i noted that the older son henry is dressed as harry potter here like that's that's just 
iconic costume for the for the period. Peak um, 2003. Peak. Uh, but he doesn't have the lightning bolt, so points off his costume. Well, uh, you know. Hale. I mean, you could just draw it on with a freaking I guess. I guess eyeliner. technically this is a Warner Brothers production. They probably could have gotten yeah. away with it. Yeah. Uh, but then Susan asks if the mom is okay. We learn that mom, Paula, recently started on Zoloft, and she hasn't been reacting well to it as she goes through a divorce. And Susan asks if she's been drinking because she says she can smell the alcohol on her breath. And Susan asks mom to take a blood alcohol test. She goes, can you make me do that? To which Susan responds, mm, that's not the best answer. Like, if you have to ask, eh, probably not. Yeah. That's a bad. That's a bad move, lady. Yeah, just gonna have that. a gonna have a bad time. This lady is so tragic and is mm-hmm. so like. Kudos to the actress too for like yep. really, really putting that on display with this actress with this character of just like. You know, we always talk about believable history. Like you can just sort of fill in the blanks for yourself based on just kind of her physical mannerisms of like some mm-hmm. of the things that she's clearly been through. It's uh, it's tough to watch, and it only gets tougher throughout the rest of the episode. And I can't remember if we really get a good look at him here or not, but, like, the older son, the one dressed as Harry Potter we here. We do. I'll, I'll burn him off here. Uh, Henry? Uh, yeah, poor, poor phrasing ooh, there. Ooh. Uh, he is – I swear that wasn't intentional. Uh, he is uh, played by actor Gavin Fink, who appeared in stuff like uh, The X-Files, Roswell, and Walker, Texas Ranger. All right, now our next patient is uh, – well – a recognizable face. I always want to call. For some reason, I always get Bob Newhart and Bob Hope so like confused oh, in my mind. I know this is Bob Newhart. Understandable. But I always want to call him Bob Hope. That's under- understandable. that's understandable, especially for like a kid of our age around this time. Like it's a it's an old it's an old guy named Bob, and that my parents tell but me. But we is, know the difference. Important. I know the difference now, but like at Man. the time, at the time I would have been like, "Oh, it's the other bald white guy named Bob that my parents tell me is important." Fair. But yes, this is Bob Newhart. Daniel, please yes. list I, off some stuff. I have a question. Once we're done, so finish oh no, your... no, fire away. I just, I, I just want to say that one. That one was also not intentional. It's great though. Uh, so we're talking about the Bobs of our parents' generation. Is this how the youth now are going to react to the Chris craze with like mm. all the Marvel movies and shit? Could They're be. Like I can't tell. There's like eight Chris's. Which one is it? Could very well be. Sorry, carry on. Bob Hope, at least like that's a level of celebrity that I feel like is going to be hard to describe or hard to equate for future generations. Like the the idea of like the Bob Hope specials and stuff, where like he would like stop tv and like everybody and their mother who was in music tv movies all of it would like descend on these like basically like dinner parties and they would have these big like almost award show level gatherings yeah it's like the the jerry lewis telethons yeah like it's just it's hard to like describe that level of celebrity to somebody who wasn't there and that has nothing to do with bob newhart who is a completely different person (laughs) entirely but also, but no less of an institution. Like I can't stress enough, a how good a uh, of a storyline this is, and how happy I am to see him here. Um, but also like what a like even for a show like ER, which is like one of is still regarded at this point in time as like a plus tier network television production. Like could could write a blank check and get anybody they want. And yet it still feels like he's slumming it by being here. Like, that's how good he is. That's how phenomenal Bob Newhart is. Um, 
And it was also interesting to me to to realize as I'm doing this is that we haven't had the New Heart Renaissance yet. He's weeks away from Elf. Like, oh my God! Elf is going to drop in a matter of weeks, which I imagine has something to do with why he did this. This was probably some cross promotion stuff because isn't that a Warner Brothers movie? Maybe I think so. I feel like there's some cross promotion happening here. Um, because like I said, he's a couple of weeks away from Elf, which will reintroduce him to another generation of people that like people our age appreciate Bob Newhart and understand how good he is because of Elf. Yep. Like there were there's no kids our age that were going back and watching the Bob Newhart show or Newhart, which that's confusing in and of itself. He's got two sitcom, two very long running sitcoms, both with his name in the title, both with it's kind of similar premises but you know he's kind of the, the common thread one of i would hope so one of the most phenomenal uh endings to a, a tv series ever or, or at least one of the most like as a person who appreciates a good bit like to have the payoff of a bit take place in the subsequent show that you do so for those that don't know basically like he does the Bob Newhart show first. I, th- I forget what his character does in that show. I think he's like a psychiatrist or something or like he's he he sees, you know, I think that's what it is. I think it's psychiatrist. Anyway, so he goes through this whole whole like seven, eight season show. And his wife on that show was played by actress, I believe, Suzanne Plachette. Mm-hmm. And that show ends several years later. He uh, gets this new show just called simply Newhart. And in this show, I think the premise was that he was running some kind of like bed and breakfast and it was, you know, typical sitcom fodder, whatever. And a different woman was playing his wife in that. Like it was a different it was not the same character. It was two separate characters, two separate shows. And the ending of Newhart is he wakes up from a dream, rolls over and says, honey, I just had the strangest dream in the world. I was running a bed and breakfast and it was Suzanne Plachette play, like his wife from the original show going, you got to stop, you know, eating before you go to bed, like kind of thing. Like, <laughs> and then like, as a, as a person who appreciates a good payoff of a bit, like to me, that was how I always like envision. Here's another thing I have to like throw out there. Cause I'll never have an excuse to use the, I, I always wanted there to be a fourth Austin powers movie. And for them to go through and do the whole deal, and I don't, and I have no idea what it would be about or if it would be any good, but I really just wanted it to end with the whole Austin Powers franchise having been Wayne's dream, and he <gasps> and he rolls over and he just says to Garth like, "I just had the weirdest dream." Because they used to do that in the Wayne's World movies, they would yeah. do like they would do like, "Let's do the you know the whatever ending, let's do yeah. this ending, the Scooby Doo ending, yeah, yeah. Like, let's do the Scooby Doo ending, right?" So like, have him do the new hard ending and just be like, "Oh, I had this weird dream where I was a British secret agent." Like, just you know, I thought that would have been the coolest way to like wrap up that whole franchise. Daniel, why don't we have you writing things? I don't know, but I I, ha- I seriously have had that idea since I was like. 16 well, like, keep in mind you also had this podcast idea forever and it came true so dreams may come true maybe mike myers will hear this and right. it'll happen like 80 years later get me mike myers what's he doing let's be honest what is he doing uh but yeah so bob newhart i'm very excited to see him here i'm very excited to appreciate him all over again the man you see it in this episode the man is incredibly funny and manages to make things that shouldn't be funny funny and I'm He's just so sweet. He is, yeah. He's totally I, I saw somebody in our Discord having the argument about who's America's grandpa, whether it's uh Bob Newhart or Dick Van Dyke. 
Uh, and as much as I love Ooh, Dick Van Dyke, question. I, re- I really do like Dick Van Dyke, but I still feel like for me, it's Bob Newhart. Like he just has this, you know, intangible quality of grandpa-ness to him that is just so endearing. Also too, you're allowed to have two grandpas. Everybody gets two grandpas to start that with. Very true. So we can have both. But yeah, more on uh, more on Ben and by extension, Bob Newhart to come. Uh, we... We then see Gallant work. Oh, I didn't even mention everything else about yeah, the oh, well, yeah. intro. <laughs> That's so true. more to come right now. Uh, he's been brought in after a wellness check uh, from, I was assuming, probably some neighbors. And he's like, oh, everyone's just fussing. Oh, everyone's just overreacting. He's like, all this over a bad plate of shrimp. Like, okay, Ben. Sure. Yeah. Uh, his, EK, his okay. Yeah. His EKG looks strange, and he's on several different medications, but he can't name them for Susan. Uh-oh. Hmm. Hmm. What's the deal? What's the deal with that? Uh, we then see Gallant working on a man who twisted his knee. Uh, Kovac then uh, corrects his diagnosis to eliminate uh, unnecessary tests. Uh, Susan tells Luca about the kid's mom and he brushes it off saying that the floor team can deal with it so he does not want to get uh, social services involved uh, we'll see how that goes uh, Kovac chides Neela for using unnecessary blood tests for pancreatitis and Romano's Romano's kind of uh. flying through here says that he mixes Pratt and Gallant up all the time and tells Pratt to admit one of his patients uh, so that they can free up a bed Mm. Romano giveth and Romano taketh you know like it's like part of me is very sad to lose him the other part of me is like all right well we could drop a helicopter on him couldn't we uh we then see oh boy as if I there you go as as if I didn't have enough of a problem this episode Daniel bonk <laughs> Abby shows up uh down in a coat and scrubs uh because she has started her surgical rotation the uh the journey towards Dr. Lockhart has begun in earnest. Uh, and Romano says you, the line of the episode for, I'm kind of mad. I'm kind of mad. We don't have this in audio form uh, because Romano says you waited three and a half hours for Abby. <laughs> it's such a good line read. Uh, and just for Abby, <laughs> Abby for Abby in the white coat with the scrubs. Like that is, the surgical scrubs. The, this is a problem. All right. This is a <laughs> problem. <laughs> Lauren was so disappointed in me as I was like live tweeting this <laughs> to the group chat as I was watching this episode. Fuck. It is a problem. We have to get uh we have to get that emote in um is this into the di- into the Discord now? As we have to have the bonk emote. Is this uh this we aren't into the trauma yet where her and Sam like talk in unison because that was just like pfft, over the top like it's too, that's uh they're now that, that's in like the next little bit now yeah. at that point they're just adding me directly like they are yeah, no, just that's, th- that's in the section below that Lizzie has that was that even I felt like that was gratuitous but. <laughs> Uh, and then we see Abby and Susan talking about her going back to med school since she only had one year left. Uh, and she says that she's still going to be taking some nursing shifts for a while uh, because, you know, money. Capitalism is a hellscape, people. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sam grabs Abby for a crush victim with likely an intra-abdominal bleed. I don't know why I just had so much trouble saying that. Because I typed it weird. 
Uh, Luca tells Abby that, oh, the coat looks good on you. Wink. Wink. Now everyone, now all of the ER knows you're horny for Abby. <laughs> you talking to me or? <laughs> or no, uh, <laughs> talking to Luca. Luca. And Ramona, of course, continuing the 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 lines of the, the lines of the season. Oh, goody, surgery's here. He's so good this episode. He is yeah. so goddamn good. Yeah, she gives Corday the rundown over the phone. And Romano takes the phone from her and is just really like, duh, this dude needs surgery. No fucking shit. So yeah, he gives her shit and is really rude and keeps telling her to do nurse scut work instead of learning from Luca. Yeah, like he keeps Even going, though Sam's like, nah, I'll just do it. I'm yeah, he good. keeps going like, this isn't the exact one, but he's like, draw this blood. And he just stares at her super intensely. No, he wants he wants, no, to, I was, he wants her I to put said, it in a foley. I said that wasn't exactly what he said because I couldn't remember what he said. Okay. So thank you for the correction. But um, yeah, so he's like, put in this foley. What are you waiting for? Like, do this. And Abby's just like, uh, no. <laughs> Sam's in the corner. I'll do it. Like, I'm a nurse. Hi. Have me do it. Uh, so yes, thank you, Lizzie, for the refresher because I could not for the life of me remember what it was. Uh, and then... Paula and Henry are back to check on, I'm going to keep saying, Adam, we're going to go with it and keep hoping it's right. Uh, They're checking on how he's doing. Uh, Social work is on on their way down to chat with Paula. And she says, oh, the social workers don't help. And we learn she's already in the CPS database, her prior incidents. Mm, That's not good. Oh, dear. Uh, and Sam, after they come out of that trauma, says, that is one poisonous one-armed midget you got running the place. Just, oh boy. And Carrie's in the hall looking for Luca, and this is where Sam is real cocky with Neela, saying that, like, oh, I'm more likely, because Neela comes and says, oh, if you need help, my name's Neela, whatever. And Sam, this is where I think her attitude grates on a lot of people, is like, I'm more, uh, I'm more likely to help you out than the other way around, because she's a super experienced nurse. But to everybody else, it looks like, wow, who is this person just coming in? Like, to the audience, if they're not willing to pay attention that, oh, she's worked at plenty of hospitals before, like, she's just a, an overconfident Mary Sue. Hmm. What's she even doing here? It is it is an odd, I feel, match char- right. characterization-wise. And actri- like the actress marrying the, the, the characterization, I feel like, is a, is a strange match. Yeah. Like, I feel like if they wanted to write this character this way... As much as I love her, I don't know that Linda Cardellini was the right choice for this character. Yeah. If they and so I think and I think what they were wary of here because the 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 comparison of course gets tossed out a lot of like Sam v Carol. Yeah. Because it's a natural one, like she kind of fills the similar role in the ecosystem. And I think that's what it is. I think they were a little leery of just doing a carbon copy of Carol and doing it all over again and and having to have whoever filled those shoes kind of you know live up to those comparisons which are unfair so like i feel like they tried to like twist it on its head a little bit of being like well we'll make her a single mom and like she'll be like streetwise and she'll have all this like extra like just give her all this extra like you know baggage baggage and judge and like just give something else to the character which again i i think is fine i think you can do that if you want but i would have picked somebody else to play that part because when i look at linda cardellini i don't think like streetwise street <laughs> yeah i don't i don't see like you know streetwise and like tough rough and tumble you know like she just doesn't 
fit that she's mold. She's too pretty. She's, she's, she's Velma. She's too pretty. Yeah, she's too pretty. She's too and and they try really hard like especially as we get towards the end of the episode they try really hard to like for lack of a better word to like jersey her up a little bit like they try to like have her like chomp on her gum and like have like bigger earrings it's just like i'm i get what we're trying to do here but Jer- it's, it's jersey her up i i hate that i absolutely can picture exactly what you mean. yeah like they're trying to make her more of just this like i'm not like the other girls kind of thing and it's just like Okay, all right. I don't I don't have a better answer. I don't have a better idea of who this character should be played by if we're going to do it this way. I would have just rewritten the character to better fit Linda Cardellini and let her stand on her own two feet and fu- let the Carol comparisons be damned. I just feel like there's a better version of this character that she can play. This version of the character isn't a match for Linda Cardellini, in my opinion. All right, uh, let's get the auto clips rolling here. Uh, Carrie and Luca are having a little bit of chat about Luca's future. If you're going to come back, we need to set some guidelines. Come on, Broadburn and two is gone. He's gated out of here an hour ago. We need a guarantee of 36 hours a week. Dr. Kovacs, this lady's been waiting a while. My name's Athena, like the goddess. I'm getting to her. About 72. 72 hours? Rule out Epping, curtain four. Still waiting on CT. Since 9 a.m.? I'll do six twelves a week, every week. Are you trying to buy yourself another burnout? Hey, in Africa, I did 18 hours a day, every day. This is a piece of pie. Cake. Let's pretend CT was down. What do you do then? Uh, send him to another hospital? No, it'd be too much. I want to work. I need the money. Does he have rebound tenderness, obturator, and so signs? I'll also require four weeks' notice next time you decide to skip town. Hey, give me the shifts, and I'll do even better. I'll give you eight, because two months from now, I'll be gone again. Two months? I'm going back. Before you order a $3,000 test, you should do a thorough exam. To Africa? For how long? I don't know. Let's see when I get there. Uh, can you sign off on these? Acute CVA, esophageal impaction. Fine, but I'll need it in writing. Yeah, drop a contract. Dislocated thumb, urticaria. Yeah, from now on you'll be answering to Dr. Romano. Oh, then we should definitely talk about a raise. I like what a different uh, side of Luca we get to see this episode, even though I think he is a little... You don't see it that badly in this episode of like he does have a little tiny bit of the well I did a semester abroad kind of thing of like yeah, he he's a, yeah. he's a little bit like oh you silly Americans with your silly American problems like he has kind of a little bit of the the nose up in the air about that like the look he has on his face on the L in, in the opening scene is kind of what really trip tripped me up on it where I was just like oh you guys just don't know how good you have it like he has kind of a little bit of that going on but it's not terrible but what I do really like is the um, like getting to see him in more of that like teacher role, and like he's really nurturing and and like, and he's not doing it in like a touchy feely sort of way where he's he's like oh I, I really care about these kids like no you're just seeing him as like a matter of fact like he has really grown you you don't realize how much he has grown even just within the small little world of county like he has really stepped up to take on a role that you know. You a couple of seasons ago, you would have never expected that he would be able yeah. to do. Yeah, and it's just uh, it's nice to just see him having fun again. Yeah, yeah, we're definitely. I feel like they're definitely starting to stretch their legs with his character a little bit more. Like mm-hmm. we're we're not just locked into like, oh, he's sad about his dead family, or oh, he's depressed because Abby, you know, dumped or him and Abby broke up, and like it's just. It, we're, there's a little bit of an evolution happening with the character and there's a little bit more of the, the leg stretching happening and you know we'll see where that goes yeah that's what I was gonna say he feels much more closer to like 
his final form in the later seasons yeah. for lack of a better term i guess yeah definitely but i like it i'm here for it now get back with abby and all will be right in the world okay well okay. you know we got a minor detour to to, yeah, to take yeah, with that yeah. later in the season that's we're not gonna talk about that until it happens talk about that. that's gonna be my long national nightmare <laughs> Well, we then go from there to uh, Paula and Susan meeting with a social worker who I did not remember was in this show. Uh, the social worker, uh, played by actor Daniel Day Kim, uh, who appeared in stuff like Lost, Hellboy, and the Hawaii Five O revival, which I am continuously reminded was a thing that existed. Uh, and he has a total of 94 credits to his name, uh, and he is making his first of four appearances here. Uh, as the social worker such a like recognizable face and yet i was like what the fuck he was in this show like for any length of time like that just blew my mind because he's another one that like he ain't that far off a lost like lost has got to be if it hasn't started already it's about to start and so like he's gonna be much too big for this show very soon like he's he's gonna be a regular on uh on that show so why would he stick around for very long here but uh, so Paula and Susan are chatting with him. We find out that uh, Henry burnt his hand on the stove previously uh, and that his teacher had to take him home one day when school closed and Paula was nowhere to be found. She tries to blame it on uh, their dad, who will factor in here a little bit later. Uh, the children are going to need to be removed from the home pending further investigation and kids will the kids will go to their dad until they can figure things out. Uh, and is it is Paula the one that says this here that the that her lawyer she had been meeting yeah. with her lawyer and uh, they were having breakfast yep. and the lawyer ordered her a Bloody Mary at breakfast and that's why she had alcohol on her breath. I think if that's true, you need a new lawyer because holy shit, yeah, like, that's 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 uh, legal malpractice if I've ever heard it. Yeah, because those aren't weak, right? Those have a decent amount of alcohol. You can you can make them. You've never had a Bloody Mary. No, I've had the like Bloody Mary mix. I've had, I've, had, I've had Bloody Mary mix, and that was one of the most disgusting, disgusting things I've ever had in my life. Who are you, and why are we getting married? Uh, Bloody Marys have a wild swing for me. Like they're either they really, do. really delicious, or they're disgusting. Daniel, spi- spicy Bloody Marys or no? Uh, not you know, like with all things, not I, too spicy, but like give, I, I like a little kick. I, I like a little Tabasco in there. Here's what we can do, Lauren, as a compromise. You can have the Bloody Mary, and I'll just have all the little, like, fixins that they put on no, top the oh, fixins, yeah. on the sticks. The fixins are the best part, and I also can't have too many even virgin Bloody Marys because the tomato sauce gives me a cold sore. <laughs> the, uh, we had a place in Alaska that specialized in, uh, like, grilled sandwiches and drinks. Yeah. It's called Bread and Brew. It was phenomenal. If you're ever in Alaska, Ooh. look them up. Uh, but uh, they did a Bloody Mary that came with, on the skewer, like in the top of the drink, a grilled cheese sandwich. Yeah. Like in the skewer. And it was... I've seen one with like full-on like hamburgers, not even yep. like sliders, but like full-on hamburgers on yeah. the sticks. I'm like, you're just ordering. It, right. You're. <laughs> that's just gratuitous. That's... You're just ordering a meal <laughs> at that over point. The that's just a combo meal. I that's one of those where I love that I can have like a mocktail version and it doesn't detract from it at all because yeah. you can still do all the fixings you can still do all the best parts of it it's just oh no I don't have vodka yeah which sorry didn't mean to side no no us, that's but. that's fair uh, we then see uh, Neela talking to the older son Henry the one dressed like Harry Potter uh, his, his wand is a drumstick you know because low budget costumes you know when I did Harry Potter for Halloween as a kid, I did a wooden dowel from Michael's that we just painted. Excellent. We just painted it Perfect. black and put a little white 
nubbin on the end of it. Did yeah. I uh, did I tell you guys that I used to have the like licensed official Harry Potter glasses when I was in like third or fourth grade? That tracks. That I can it, absolutely, that absolutely tracks. I will absolutely find a picture of it for you, Daniel, because it will make your day, <laughs> and you will never let me live it down. But uh, I will find it. New Lauren emote in the they Discord were, win. They were not a good look. Those I I cannot do round glasses. Just important life lesson there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, kid says that he doesn't believe in magic. And then this is when dad shows up to get him. Uh, dad's name is Kyle. And he's like kind of indignant about this whole situation, says that uh, the mother never takes responsibility for things. Clearly, this is a very, very troubled situation, as you might imagine. It's always it's always someone else's fault, isn't it? Yeah. But the dad is a total. Oh, hey, it's that guy. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, actor Daniel Roebuck, like maybe the definition of an oh hey it's that guy, particularly around this time, uh, and uh, he is in fact Jake's nominee for best guest star of season ten, strictly because of his credits. He has appeared in stuff like The Fugitive, Final Destination, and does quite a bit of voice work to include Jedi's Fallen Order and Survivor, uh, which uh, where he is the voice of Jake's favorite character, Grease. Uh, yes oh. absolutely and, holy shit <laughs> and yes! he has a whopping 248 credits to his name jesus christ so does that man sleep? very very prolific is mr roebuck here uh and that of course makes him the high watermark actor for this episode because of course it does holy shit 248 credits uh i love grease everyone should play those grease games because uh, grease is amazing grease is definitely the best part about those games let's let's not sugarcoat it like he is the best character in both of those games and i uh, uh excuse you dathomir is the best part of those games well the, the real dathomir is the uh, friends we made along the way uh very true. i uh thought that the first one was really good and thought the second one was okay so you know that's uh that's where i landed on those year and wrap up year and wrap up well, that's when we talk about the best of things, not the things that were just like, oh, that was a thing. Well, that we're going to well, talk about Jedi Survivor amongst the best of things. It was fine. It's just really wonky game. Like they broke things. They they broke things that didn't need to be fixed. Like that's that's what I that's what I learned. But hey, like like well, Lauren said, end of the year wrap up. Patreon.com slash Unintone Podcast. Look out for that in December. We then go over to Abby in surgery with uh, Dorset and Lizzie and. Uh, uh, Lizzie and Dorset are kind of uh, flirting over the patient when uh, a what should be played by Shirley but isn't uh, comes in and says that his wife is on the line, meaning Dorset's wife. And yeah, why isn't this Shirley? uh, Maybe she, you know, maybe Dinah Linney just was busy that week. You know, she's a she's a working woman. She was a working mom. Maybe she had to take her kids to band practice or something. I don't know. Uh, But uh, yeah, that should just be a Shirley line. Uh, but as somebody points out in the listener responses, there's a lot of intense eye acting going on this episode, like a lot of a lot, a lot of really good eye work. And you see it in particular in this scene here between Dorset and, and uh, Lizzie, because, of course, they got the surgical masks on lots of like steely eye looks across the patient here. And moving on with the audio clips here, uh, Susan and Ben are having a little bit of chat about his vision. Leave your reading glasses at home. No, they really don't help that much. Is your vision better on the periphery? I can take a look with the ophthalmoscope. Well, not unless you know a cure for macular degeneration. Well, there are a lot of new treatments. Photodynamic therapy, Rufab. That's for, uh, that's for WebMD. I, I have the dry kind. How far along are you? Far enough. 
The paramedics brought this in. It's an empty bottle of digoxin. Oh, congratulations, Miss Rizal. The prescription was filled yesterday. Um, can can I can I go now? I'm worried it wasn't an accident. <laughs> Excuse me. Have you had suicidal thoughts? Yes, yes. In the uh, in the seventh grade, I was a I was a pudgy child. <laughs> if you don't answer the question seriously, I'll put you on a psychiatric hold. Have you ever considered suicide? Look, I'm I'm a 71 year old man who's going blind. I've considered everything. I'd be I'd, I'd be crazy if I did. Dr. Lewis, I didn't mind rolling in. Do me a favor. Will you talk to someone about these issues? What, what, what issues? Your diminished visual capacity, your compromised ability to self-medicate, the depression. Let, let, let me see if I understand that. You won't keep me here involuntarily if I volunteer. My way will take a few hours. If I put you on a psychiatric cult, you'll be here for three days. I just all of those beats are so fucking perfect. Also, have had a similar conversation with people at yeah. uh, uh, ERs. Like, yeah, okay, I can involuntarily, voluntarily check myself in for three days or mandatory five days, five day hold. So I was like, okay, I'll take the three days. <laughs> it ended up being five days anyway because it was Thanks, close weekends. to a weekend. Yeah, it was close to a weekend. Uh, it's like I was a pudgy child in seventh grade. <laughs> hey, so he's was I. So, Same. He's Mood. so good. Like, uh, it just makes me excited that it's almost Christmas and I can watch Elf. That's true. I. Do we have anything else about Ben and how amazing he is with Susan? No, just wanted to get some. Just wanted to get some Susan and Ben awesomeness because I love it. this is one of my favorite storylines of the later seasons. Yeah. yeah. So then we go to not so great. Uh, Henry says that Adam looked at him and gets dad's attention and goes to tell mom. And we see Paula leaving the hospital in a daze. She says, oh, I forgot something in the car as she walks past Susan in the ambulance bay. Um, then she pulls something out of the trunk, which I thought was going to be a fifth of like booze. Oh, that's I absolutely yeah, thought that's that. definitely there meant were... to be what you're. Yeah, that. So we, we get that, and it's like, oh, it's, oh, she's locking the door so she can have a drink, whatever. And then she pulls out a fucking jug of lighter fluid, mm-hmm. locks the doors, and lights herself in the car on fire as Henry runs out for her to tell her the good news. Yeah, who Fuck. wraps lighter fluid in, in a wine bottle sleeve? Like, or in a liquor bottle sleeve? Like, what the hell? I never did that when I worked at Jewel. <laughs> I don't know, but uh, Luca runs over and breaks the window with a gurney to try and get her out with Coop's help. Um, They manage to extinguish her with a fire extinguisher and a fireproof blanket. And as always, A-plus makeup effect here as they reveal her and the burns (sighs) on her side and her face. Holy shit. Yeah, intense. And what a visual, too. Like, the the Mm -hmm. Jeep, like, engulfed in flames and, like... And the arm. The arm, like, yeah, like, that's a full... That that is a a stuntman fully engulfed in flames there, and like mm-hmm. that's just goes to show you like where they are in their ability to do stuff like that. You know, like they're this is not the kind of thing they would have had the capacity, the money, the time, the logistics to be able to pull off in something like season two or three. This is the on, only the kind of thing that they are able to do at this exact moment in time because of the kind of reputation they've been able to build. 
But God forbid they do good green screen. Anyway, uh, no, but th- then we see <laughs> it looks bad now, but it was an expensive new shiny yeah. toy at the time. I know. Uh, then we see Luca and Susan working on Paula with Morris in the room. And uh, Morris mentions how awful the smell is. And they put a privacy screen privacy screen up around her in the trauma room and she's asking if she's going to die they need to intubate her but she wants to talk to the boys first and morris absolutely hurls behind sam gets kicked out of the room and uh according to susan because she's suicidal it overrides her right to um her right to refuse care Mm -hmm. so like the fact that she doesn't want to be intubated well because she was suicidal this would end up ending her life, so they have to intubate her kind of thing. Like, it's a reverse DNR. Awful reverse Uno card. Yeah. So, this is going to be great. This is going to be fun for everybody. This only made me want to be like Morris just a little bit. And Yeah. I was already having, I was already having a, a sour, sour tummy night, as we sometimes call them. Sour tum-tum. Yeah. This didn't help. Uh, but continuing the audio train here, uh, Dorset has some has some words for Lizzie and also for that nurse that interrupted them. Hey, loose lips. Cordae around. I have some post-op films for her. Why don't you leave him here? I'll make sure she sees him. I'm in no mood for a demonstration of female solidarity. Elizabeth. Elizabeth. Can you can you slow down, please? She's doing an elective at Boston Children's Hospital. She's a student. Things have been very, very strained between us, bro. I haven't slept with her. It's been like weeks. Months, I meant months. So what you do, hide her pictures in a drawer? There's a cabinet, actually. Uh, you're not going to call her, are you? Come on. You've got to be kidding me. Coffee's are too bloody much to ask. Well, at least we had a shot with this guy. It says here that most blunt abdominal injuries die at the scene. It's blunt aortic injury. All right. Thanks. Still, he probably would have thrombosed in post-op anyway. Well, it's a complicated procedure. Yes, more so today than usual. to think that I was worried about it being too soon when the real problem was I was allowing myself to feel something for an absolute bastard jerk wanker (laughs) I knew it I knew it there's no shame in that there's two things that annoy me about this Number one, mm-hmm. I'm annoyed at how bland and uninteresting of a character Dorset is, <laughs> and like, mm-hmm. like this this should have been a better a, a better detour. Like, and if and if he was better at being like this smarmy, smug asshole character, like, yeah, there's a little bit of that, but like, I just I don't know. He doesn't do it for me. Like, he doesn't he doesn't hit the kind of notes that he. Uh, needs to 
And number two, I'm mad that they I'm annoyed that they didn't build up the Abby Lizzie friendship better so that because the thing that the thing that everybody always says when we get to what is it season 11 or 12 when when Elizabeth leaves like uh it's it's Carter who ends up in her like goodbye scene and everybody's always everybody's yeah. always like oh well you know who else was it gonna be why wouldn't it have been Abby, Abby. like why 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 couldn't we have put more effort into like building up this friendship and like it's not like there's not a like a thread there it's not like there's not anything to to grab onto just do the work like just or hell her and susan finally become besties as they reminisce over mark like there's so many ways to do yeah, this like it's just such a an unsatisfying eh, i guess not unsatisfying is not the right it is unsat. it's disappointing like there, there's a, a much better ending for that character to be had and this is one of them like you could have you could have done more legwork to build up this relationship so that when it does come time for her to leave there's a reason to have her in that scene instead of carter because Carter just mm-hmm. never made sense to me. He just never made sense as the other half of that equation. But that's for that's for the future. We go from there to uh, back down to check on Paula, who uh, is stable enough that they bring the kids in. Susan says she'll talk to the father and tells Luca that she regrets bringing CPS into it. Susan asks Neela to take uh, Henry out to the family room, and Dad asks him to watch over Adam while uh, he talks to Susan. And we find out that uh, Paula went to pick up beer, not hot dogs, at the store, and she asked Henry to cover for her. So, mm-hmm. and tells Dad, uh, Susan tells Dad that Paula is, is going to die and that she wants to say goodbye to Henry before she does. And uh, he says that he won't say goodbye to her. So, this must have been one fucked yep. up marriage. Let's. Uh... No, no, Henry says he won't. Oh, say Henry goodbye. says he well, both both yeah, both of those statements can be true. Uh, yep. But just yeah, there's Henry, just a lot there's going a on. Henry, Henry's still in the room, overhears it, and he's like, "Nah, fam, I'm good." Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I honestly don't necessarily yeah, no. blame him. You know, hundred percent. Like there is something to be. I mean, obviously, I know from Paula's standpoint what she's feeling and what she wants to be able to do. But like, I also understand it from the the kid's standpoint of just like, and he may not even fully understand it at this point. But like, you don't want to have that kind of like generational trauma of like having to have that image in your head for the rest of your life. Well, he already fucking saw her light herself on fire. Right. And he's going to have any, and he's going to have, you know, justified or not, he's going to have the guilt in his head of like being a part of the thing that precipitated Mm -hmm. her downfall. So it's like, he's got enough trauma on his plate today. He does not need to go in there and add to it. Yep. Uh, we see Morris, Coop, and Sam talking about Paula and just being her being crazy. Uh, I think we also is this also where we get uh, Pratt hitting on Sam because yes. like yes. we are very much in his like anything that moves era. Like if if, if well, there's a new female character, so right. we have anything to any any woman that crosses any woman that crosses in front of his face for longer than five seconds, he has to take a pass at. Uh, Romano asks if they've moved the burnt van out of the ambulance bay yet. And uh, Pratt asks if uh, Romano should be doing sutures with the robot hand. Uh, and then we see Ben asking Chuni to get Susan. He's been there for over four hours now uh, when she told him it would only be three. Uh, and he gets up to leave. Can't necessarily say I blame nope. him. Uh, a patient from the beginning of the episode uh, that was in shares is brought in. Athena, uh, she has a brain bleed. Not just a cut. 
not just mi- some minor issues. Uh, just a straight up brain bleed. Uh, no one remembers treating or seeing her because she was there for 11 hours and left without being seen. Uh, Morris owns up to the miss and goes to intubate when she goes into VFib. So Luca takes over and takes control of the situation. And this is a really uh, startling one for Morris. Like, he is visibly shaken here at this. Just, he is, he's like, I, I, like, he's like, I, I remember, he kind of remembers seeing her, but, like, mm. his, wow, hold on. He was responsible for her chart, and he totally dropped the ball on it. Like, we hear it briefly mentioned, like, 10, 15 minutes into the episode. Yeah. So then uh, Neela brings Adam in to see Paula while Susan's in there and Paula goes to touch him and he pulls away because like obviously she looks scary so he pulls away from her. Um, Neela reassures her that Adam is going to be fine, that he's responding to everybody, grasping for things and looking at everybody like he's supposed to. Uh, Susan mentions that Henry will not be coming in to see her so Paula asks if Neil can write something for her. And we hear, try to forget, remember, I love you, as that scene kind of fades away. Uh, We go back over to Athena. She is still down after almost an hour. And Luca tells them a five-minute exam could have caught it. And he's like, guys, how the fuck did you mess this up? Like, get it together. no one saw her. But... They should have. She was in. I know. Like, but... Yes, but yes, she was in charts. Like, guys, you can't let this shit happen. Uh, good teachable moment with Morris and Coop. And he's like, guys, these people don't have anybody else. We're it. Like, you've got to you've gotta not let people slip through the cracks. And then um, as this goes on, a man is screaming on his gurney to be let out. Morris is walking just absolutely overwhelmed, ripping off his tie and everything as he goes, grabs the gurney and runs. This is one of the best visuals <laughs> in ER ever. Wheels this dude out of the ER as he runs out himself. So this gurney just flies out into the ambulance bay and Coop chases Morris down. And Morris is like, I'm sick of being carried. Like, you do everything for me. You're the only reason I'm still here. I'm sick of being carried. And Pratt's like, let him walk. Don't miss your train, sweetie. And Morris leaves. And I <laughs> and we are again, we are again led to believe that Coop is going to be the one that sticks this yeah, out. I, I don't think anyone would be faulted for thinking that this would be the last time you'll ever see Morris. Like I, I don't think you would if you were watching this fresh in in two thousand three. I don't think anybody would fault you for thinking that that Pratt will be the. Or I mean, uh, that Coop will be the one who's sticking with us until two thousand nine, and. Morris is just going to fade off into the sunset and we'll never see that character again. Cause it seems like one of those like cartoony sort of ways that they dispense with, uh, unimportant med students and unimportant, you know, background characters sometimes like they just, they give them some weird, which I, I do love that POV shot because isn't the gurney, like, isn't the camera basically on the gurney, uh, looking yeah. up at him as he's like pushing it out the door. It's a very good shot yeah. and it's a very, very good sequence. Uh, but yeah, you would not be faulted at all for thinking that this is the end of Morris. 100%. I just, it's such a good shot. It's so well done. Uh, but then Susan is calling Ben's home and no one's answering. And she calls to report a possible suicide risk so they can go find Ben. And as um, two of the paramedics are headed out, she asks if she can get a ride to his place since they're like done at the ER. And they burst in and find him listening to very loud music and painting some miniatures. And he's like, what? What's up? Hi. Yeah, wh- I got sick of waiting. What do you want? 
Alright, and uh, another audio clip coming up here. Abby and Lizzie are out in the bay chatting with Sam, and oh. Oh, oh no. someone. Someone arrives. Oh no. Hey, are you contemplating a career change? Yeah, something like that. This is Dr. Corday. Elizabeth's fine. Pleased to meet you. Sam Taggart. It's your first day. Uh, yeah, you have that county glaze about you. Um, I hope it wasn't too terrible. Nah, it's not like my last few jobs. I'm used to getting hit hard. MBA, GSW, knife in the eye. <laughs> Here, you get a chance to catch your breath, and clear your head once in a while. Yeah, that's what I love about county, all the quiet time. Yeah. So you used to be a nurse? I still am, I guess. I'm gonna be taking shifts for a while. You in transition? Kind of. Yeah, that's a good place to be. Um, well, we're on our way to grab something to eat. You want to join us? Oh, I still got a few hours to go. I'm just waiting on my guy. Hey, in fact, here he is. You two have a good night. Mm -hmm. You too. Hospital? Yep. It's even crappier than the last one. Hey, watch it, kiddo. Uh, oh, Daniel, boy. care to introduce that shit, the, the that little shitty kid? Uh, yes, as teased at the uh, season nine wrap up, uh, the Thanos of the shitty kids list uh, has arrived. Uh, this is Alex 1.0 uh, because there will be two of them. Uh, this is the first of uh, the first of his kind. Alex 1.0, played by actor Oliver Davis, who appears in stuff like Lucky Number no. 11, Flags of Our Fathers, and the TV series Rodney. And he's making his first of 21 appearances through 2005. Uh, and, oh boy. <laughs> you can just... Just mark him say, down on the shitty kids list You could practically right now. carve his name into the shitty kids list out of, you know, granite. Like, he will, he will have a permanent place on there. Uh, through the end of the show, really, like we're we're gonna be we're gonna have Alex mm -hmm. with us. Uh, not this particular Alex. There'll be Alex 2.0. Another another uh, in in between seasons recasting, uh, much like we've seen with uh, Roger in the past uh, and a few other characters. Uh, this will be this will be another one of those where <laughs> he will get he will get kidnapped. And then Sam will rescue him, and the child she rescues is different than the child that was kidnapped, <laughs> which is which I always find it's fucking one of hilarious. the funniest. Like, wait, who the fuck the are fun you? It's up there with Mark's brain tumor being so bad he can't recognize that his daughter is a completely different person. Like it's it's up there with one of the funniest recastings in the show. Uh, but yeah. I mean, here, you know, he's, he's of course, relatively benign, although he still manages to get one little, like, you know, knife twist in there of, like, oh, it's even crappier than the last play. Like, he's he's the fucking, like, Poochie character from The Simpsons. Like, where you're just, like, you hope he dies on his way back to his home planet. Because he's so... Precocious isn't the word. Like, he's... Annoying. Annoying, but, like... Uh, grading. grading like they and they desperately want him to seem like Bart Simpson like they desperately want him to be this like cool too cool for school smug fucking kid and it's just like ugh, like he's so shitty like he is the embodiment of the shitty kids list and he's no, only gonna was, get worse I, from here he is the king of the shitty kids list right next to the queen with Kanisha. He is king shit of fuck mountain of the shitty exactly. kids list. Exactly. 
Uh, Lauren, dude, it has a face. Are, are, are we are we done? Are are we over talking about the devil? That's <laughs> we good. Okay. Oh, she had her headphones off. I didn't see. I was like, what's yeah. what's what's going on? What am I saying? See, something bad? Like no. Well, you are. We all hate you're talking about Alex. Alex. No, you're talking about Alex. So it's bad enough. Uh, no, I had That's my fair. headphones off, but the secret is it's still loud enough so that I could hear you guys <laughs> talking. Um, podcast secret behind the kimono. Uh, yes. No, I had ripped my headphones off because ugh, Alex, gross. I can't wait for Jake to experience him. Oh, uh, if 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 nothing's made him quit the show so far, I think Alex Alex, is Alex do might it. do it. Also, this is a minor gripe in the grand scheme of things with these characters with Alex and Sam. I really dislike the surname Taggart, and I can't explain why. Like, no, I do I, not ask me to show my work because I can't. But like something about that surname has always bothered me, and not in the same way that like Gallant bothers me because it's too on the nose. I just think it's like a weird. It's a weird. It's a name. weird misplaced name, like that just doesn't fit with the rest of the names in the show. It sounds like it belongs like on a military person. Yeah, well, it sounds. It sounds, yes. and maybe I'm just. Uh, maybe I'm just. Uh, I've watched Galaxy Quest too many times, but it it seems to me like a knockoff Star Trek name. Like it seems to me like a, yeah. a like. You would have this character as like a, a red shirt character on Star Trek. I don't know. It just—it's always bothered me. Uh, but yeah, plenty more to come with Alex over the next five years. Rest of the rest show. Rest of the show. Uh, just or the rest of just gestures at all. Yeah, but. gestures broadly at everything. Uh, we then see Luca rallying the troops to uh, try to clear everyone off the board by ten. Right, and uh, our last audio clip here of the episode. Uh, Ben is uh, having a little chat with Susan about why he left. I, I waited over three hours. No one, no one came. I kept, I kept my promise. Thank you. You could have answered the telephone. I like music when I work. Is this your job? No, no, it's just a hobby. I used to make uh, architectural models. You retired? You need two good eyes for that. That kind of work. You know of um, Crown Hall? Down at IIT? Yeah, that was designed by Mies van der Rohe. Yeah, I've heard of him. Mies and I worked together in the, uh, in the 60s. This is beautiful. Mies lived his life by the, by the laws of architecture. Order, space, proportion. One, there has to be an Someone pouring your pills internal for you? logic in order in, in any design. I can set you up with a weekly pill dispenser to avoid any other mishaps. Two, space is a real work of art. The building merely exists to, to, to shape it. I could also arrange for a visiting nurse to stop by. And three, proportion. I'll always be aware of how the structure fits into the I want to help you. The, the world around us. Is that your boyfriend? Uh, no, it's a patient. I thought I was the only one. I have to go. She's dying. I need you to promise me you're not going to kill yourself in the next 72 hours. But, but Monday would be okay. I'm off the hook by then. <laughs> oh, so this is kind of a, a career move for you. Okay, it's a, it's a deal. <laughs> so I love it. So Monday would be okay then. That's so the exact good. type of humor I use with my with my 
sometimes suicidal uh, suicidal thoughts. Yeah, you love, have de- you have de- flavor of depression. We lovingly joke about that when yeah. you're in the right place for it. It's like no, you you have to at least wait until after this weekend because we got a wedding to go to and I'm not going by myself. <laughs> but like, Monday's fine. So, but Monday's fine. So this fine. is a career move for you. <laughs> it's so good. Oh, I love him so much. Get, protect Bob Newhart at all costs. Like all costs. Pre- precious cargo. We must protect him. Ugh. And I also love how the music from that scene carries right into the last scene of the episode where mm, yeah. where Luca has, as we said before, he's rallied the troops to, to clear everybody out of triage. They're seeing patients kind of what very like shift in the night style of like they're going through and just rapid fire triaging people. And Luca is giving feedback to Coop, Neela, and Gallant while they do their exams. And Romano comes down in the middle of it, and they've got like three gurneys lined up in a row right inside of triage. And he's examining people and doing these tests and stuff. And Romano's like, what the fuck? He's like, what the, what the hell are yeah. you all doing? And uh, I forget who says it, but like they say something to the effect of like medicine or you know triage or whatever they say. Clearing triage. Yeah, yeah we're getting shit done. And he just takes a pause, and he's like, excellent and then walks out the door set to that perfect like classical music score from the previous scene that they just let carry through to the end and i had as much fun as you can possibly have watching a woman set herself on fire i had as much fun watching this episode as like i think was possible like this it was good. It's, yeah, it was a it was a super solid one. Like honestly, the only thing I would take out is the woman setting herself on which, fire and us having to see the grisly aftermath that, because it made me want to throw even up. Even that is an impressive visual, though. Like even that as a spectacle, you can appreciate. Like and is just like as we were talking about in the the episode with Pratt's night shift calamity a couple episodes ago. Like that felt like them trying to recapture the old ER magic and kind of failing at it. This they do recapture that magic. Like this is a hundred percent an episode from seasons two, three, four. Like this is like right in that heart of them. Like we've figured out the formula. We maybe don't have the, like granted, like I said, the, the, the spectacle of the woman setting herself on fire, notwithstanding, but like we haven't really like gotten to the like crazy big spectacle stuff yet, but like this feels like a nice marriage of that, of like, Crazy shit happening in the ER, just kind of, you know, day in the life type stuff. And then also, like, big spectacle. And, like, it feels like a very, very nice marriage of those two ends of the ER spectrum. And I just had an absolute blast watching this episode. Yeah, I think this is the most fun I've had in a while watching it. Like, last night we were taking notes, and yeah, there were a few moments where I was like, wait, what? And But that's just because I was so engrossed in what was actually happening that I was like, wait, I need to process that so I can put it down. Yeah. There's nobody's there's like, nobody's characterization in this episode that I have to be like, uh, well, okay, maybe with the exception of Lizzie, but that's not her fault. It's just how underwhelmed I am with Dorset as a character. Lizzie's fine, it, but everybody else is hitting on all cylinders. Like Romano is incredible this episode. Luca, mm-hmm. we're finally getting to see Luca turn the corner and stretch his legs a little bit as a character. You know. Uh, Pratt with Morris and and by extension you know Morris even though you kind of come away with the feeling that you're never going to see him again Uh, Sam with a really strong first appearance you know Mm -hmm. like there's just so much happening in this episode that is good and Mm -hmm. also you know not to like like beat a dead drum here but it also kind of underscores my point from earlier in the season of like does does the show as currently constructed really need Carter anymore 
Like, would you be upset if we never saw that character again? Because it's like, no. we kind of got an ending for him. We kind of felt like we did it. And I, I feel like obviously, you know, they're going to, they're going to find a way to bring him back. And I don't really remember what it is, but like, it doesn't feel to me like the show needs him at this point. It feels to me like they have enough with what they have to carry them through into the future. Again, with, with the assumption that we don't, we're not going to get rid of Romano. The fact that they get rid of Romano kind of necessitates a Carter level character coming back. Isn't he brought back because Kem gets pregnant and they want and he wants her probably. to see America or something probably. like that? Yep. Yeah, that's probably what it is. I'm sure. Wait, guys, did I did I correctly just remember a plot point from the Mark, future? You did. Mark that down. I'm so proud Mark of that you. down on your calendars. It's a miracle. But yeah, so yeah, uh, just but... as is, like this show is fine. Like we we have the ingredients in front of us that we can we can sustain this show for a long, long time, and we don't need to go back to Carter if we don't have to or if we don't want to. Uh, but again, I think all of that is predicated on thinking that we're not going to get rid of Romano, which of course we are. So we we have like three yeah. three episodes left with him, I think. Yep. Episode eight. Cause I'm free, free, free falling. I'm not ready to be hurt. Um, yeah, I'm in. It was good. Yeah, for me, eight out of ten, just because. Yeah. There are fates worse than death in this world, and being a burn Burned victim, alive. quite to that. And survive, uh, being a burn victim like that and surviving is just that's just you're just in hell. I'll go, I'll go nine yeah. out of ten uh, points off for uh, I, I am so underwhelmed by Dorset as a character and uh, you know, Alex Tax. Like, we just, yeah, I was gonna say, uh, <laughs> I'm giving it a six out of ten because Alex, but uh, but, on the, episode, but on the but on the Alex. shitty kids curve that works out to like an 8.75, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Which tracks. That's exactly where it should be. Yeah. So yeah, I was really happy with this one. I was like, oh yeah, we're back, baby. But what do the listeners have to say about it? Do they agree oh. that we're back? Oh, they read so much, you guys. There's they. We had such thoughtful things this week. It's three people, but it takes up a page and a half of stuff. With that being said, uh, at Simply Swooning says, I consider this to be the absolute best episode of season 10. It's just like a season six or seven episode where every, everyone is firing on all cylinders. The shock value is excellently done without seeming too outlandish or exploitative, and the performances are top tier. In my head, it's subtitled, It's All in the Eyes, because everyone's eyes are killing it. From Luca's amusement at the inane nature of the day-to-day life back in Chicago, the jealous contempt Romano is boring into Abby, Susan's torn, agonized sympathy toward Paula and her instinctive, protective sympathy towards Ben, and Corday's flirtatious, then humiliated and enraged glances at Dorset give everyone's eyes an Emmy. Of course, a special category of ocular performance should be create, created just for Bob Newhart and Alice and Elliot. Newhart's quiet despondency at losing his sight is so well portrayed. No bitterness or melancholy, just pure resignation. It's probably my third favorite guest star appearance of the whole series. Allison Elliott as Paula. Her depression is so palpable in her eyes, her body language, her voice. I remember watching this scene and thinking, oh no, don't go drink now, and then seeing the lighter fluid. I was stunned. It's so devastatingly heartbreaking, but excellently done. And that's to say nothing of the performance of Henry. We see flashes of Neela's empathetic nature, Morris's tomfoolery and Pratt's growth. The scene where he challenges Morris's, Morris to step up or step out is one of my favorite Pratt moments. I honestly thought we wouldn't see Morris again. 
Luca's disgusted frustration is refreshing without going over the top for now. It's a very heavy episode. Three out of four featured patients die, but the moments of levity, Abby and Corday's banter, Luca's pride and encouragement to Abby, and Carrie being Carrie keep it from being overly sad. Oh, and Sam. She's okay here, even if her assessment of County is completely wrong and she should have fast-tracked Athena. You don't F around with Headlax. Still amazing up. 9.5 out of 10. Next, we have at username 11, who says, I love Bob Newhart's arc, and it gives Susan slash Sherry Stringfield some of the best scenes to sink her teeth into since returning. It's a shame it doesn't last longer, but I guess that's the trade-off when you cast a big guest star in the role. Um, There's a scene at the end of the episode where Susan makes Ben promise he won't kill himself in the next 72 hours is dry comedy perfection, and they play off each other so well. Plus, Susan is probably trying to compensate for the mom's suicide attempt from earlier. She couldn't prevent that one, but maybe she can prevent this one. And fam, we made it to med student Lockhart. Or as Romano would say, you waited three and a half hours for Abby? It's nice to see Abby be excited about something and take the time to work on herself for a while, even if we know it will take her time to find her footing. Romano's very funny slights aside, I dig how supportive everyone is. And as much as I'm excited for what's to come for her, I think her best scene is the girl talk with Corday in the lounge. I don't know how she manages to call Dorset a wanker in the funniest and sweetest way possible, and it always makes me laugh. I go back and forth on how I feel about Luca upon his return. On the one hand, he's probably not wrong about streamlining resources and eliminating unnecessary costs and wait times. On the other hand, I hope he doesn't sprain his ankle getting down from his high horse. I'm sure there is a happy medium somewhere. Uh-oh. Here we go with one Sam Taggart. I don't hate it? They definitely try a little too hard to immediately make her the cool chick, but there have been way worse or just plain boring new cast introductions. I at least feel like we're starting off in the right direction. Last but not least, Romano using the term nut meat as a pejorative towards his staff. So random, but so Romano. Paul McCrane pulls off that line as only he can. Enjoy that I while I can't believe lasts. I forgot to, to mention the return of Nutmeat. I was so That's happy right. to hear that again. Oh, shame on us. We've failed as podcasters. Oh, gotta warm up for errands. All right, last but certainly a lot least, we have at the full-time dad. Out of Africa is one of the episodes during the first season, first third of season 10 that really gets the show back on course. The addition of a new cast member, some classic Romano, you waited three hours for Abby, the subtle start to an underrated and brief arc, I think Bob Newhart's deadpan deliveries are priceless, a quick end to the Dr. Dorset detour for Lizzie, and a solid and heartbreaking A plot. Side note, the actress who plays Paula Martin, Allison Elliott, would go on to have a nice guest arc on Law & Order as the wife of a corrupt governor played by Tom Everett Scott. Guess we know what happened after he jumped in the grave. Uh, the mid-episode twist when you think she's about to go full drunk and brown bag it in the car until you see the lighter fluid and realize Paula has some serious mental health issues was so well done in the most horrifyingly tragic way. And to see the innocence and hope shatter in the face of her son, bounding out to give her the good news about baby Adam with a magic wand in hand and cape flapping with each step was so genuinely heartbreaking. The emotional scars that boy will carry. Jesus. We also get to see our first really good Archie scene, wheeling out that god-awfully annoying patient. 
While the Cooper head fake is still in full effect, it's nice to see Scott Grimes show some acting chops, though we won't see them in earnest for quite some time. Overall, such a strong episode. Oh, and welcome back, Luca. All right. Uh, well, this went way, way longer than we thought it would. Cause... <laughs> Damn you, Sam. So we're just going to say goodnight. Uh, thank you very much for listening. This show is entirely listener supported. No ads ever. Right. At least so far. Uh, so please support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash podcast. And we will see you all next week. Bye.